Hi, good morning. Is Ashley Kerr in the room? Are you here? Would you, can I just embarrass you? Would you stand, please? Ashley is an elementary school teacher at Dogwood Elementary, and she has won the Milk and Foundation Award this year, which, um, wow. Congratulations. She'll be flying out to L.A. to receive her $25,000 award. That is like the Oscars of education, and yes, I know what you're all wondering. She will be tithing on that, and... Uh, amen, amen. Love that lady. Oh my goodness. But um, she is. She she is to education what I am to church league softball. All right. <laughs> now you get it. That's how good she is. Um, hey, I I got to say this. I love being at Calvary. Uh, I love this place for so many reasons. But I especially um, appreciate and respect the the calling that we've had as a fellowship for a long, long time. And that's been a calling uh, to minister to, to reach the University of Tennessee community. Uh, I love being, and I'll tell you guys, and I know I picked, of all days to say this, fall break. <laughs> you know, but I'd look, I look out and I'm seeing a lot of gaps, and I think, oh, That was genius, Dan, but I'm just going to put this under the grace of the Lord and trust that you're out there you streaming this or that you can get the podcast or check it out. Tell your friends how awesome today was. You've got to hear Dan's message. He just cranked it out, okay? Uh, But I and many other people in this room uh, are of a different generation, you know, and we, we have come, I think, into your lives sometimes like spiritual dads and spiritual moms. And that, that's very purposeful, and I, I just I love that role uh, in, in your life. Uh, that goes not only for students at the university, but some of you who are single adults. Um, you know, I, I just see that God wants to do and has done and will do something fresh and, and beautiful and unique here. Uh, we have a lot of younger people in our church, our median age, I think, the last time we did a demographic study, it was like age 26. That was uh, kind of crazy when I tell other pastors that. Or the, when I tell pastors that we live by the UT schedule, you know, if it's fall break or summer and, and, and you know, home games, away games, everything makes a difference to what goes on at Calvary. And over time, we've just learned to roll with that and, and not try to fuss about that because we, we know this is where God's planted us. But there is a scripture, there's this verse I read this week, this really captures my heart, and it's my hope and my dream, and I think part of our calling. It's not my life verse, okay? That's at another place, but it's right there under it. And I just want to read this for you and just let this, let God's word just roll over you like mighty waters. Here it is. This is in Psalm 71, verse 15, okay? This is just for you guys. Uh, It's it's, uh, like a testimony from me. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness and yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you've taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me. Here it is. O oh God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your might to all, to all those who are to come. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O oh God. And you who have done great things, who, O oh God, is like you? Lord, who is like you? No one. I thank you for the calling that you've placed on this fellowship. And um, I stand shoulder to shoulder and even on the shoulders of those who've gone before me as a spiritual dad to the many uh, people that you have let flow through this fellowship over the years. Just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students, uh, without exaggerating, um, have come through these doors and lives have been impacted and then the world through them. I ask that today you would speak to us in a fresh way and I thank you. Uh, that your spirit is so faithful. And Lord, I I am here uh, because 
I believe you have put uh, on us this task to declare you to the next generation and to all those who are to come. And so that's a big part of what this message is about today. And uh, we give it to you and just put it before you and ask that you would quicken our ears, that you would open our hearts uh, wherever we are uh, in our life uh, to hear what you've got to say to us today. And uh, it's a blessing to Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, Mo Walker said today, he said, I saw the title, you know, Let's Get Married. And he said, I kind of debated whether to just, you know, go on down to S&S or not. Uh, He said, but you know, you just might say something that would help me in the next 50 years of my marriage, so I'm going to stay, all right? I'm going to make sure I'm going to squeeze something in for Mo while I'm talking to you guys today. Uh, And that goes for me and and all of us as well. Um, But but I love that verse. I love that verse. And I want to speak to you this morning out of that calling uh, that I and others feel. We've very purposefully stayed here. Uh, I tell you, every uh, consultant we've ever had in, every advisor, any guest pastor or evangelist that looks around and we think, what do you think about Calvary? I'd move Calvary 10 miles west, you know. Uh, In fact, the first time I ever visited Calvary, there was a huge piece of property for sale out west, and one of the guys on the committee said, what would you do? You know, what would be, if you could just do anything you wanted to do and you came to Calvary, you could do anything, what would you do? I said, I'd buy that property, I'd sell (laughs) 3,200. I'd buy that property and move out there where all the families are, where people live. And it's just like I said, well, if I came to Calvary, I would uh, give everybody dope to smoke and we would, you know, live for the devil. It's just as if I had said that. They just sat and looked at me like I'm from another planet. They said, oh, we can't leave here. University. God's called us to the students and to this community. I said, oh, I get it. I get it, that it's that passionate. So with that in mind, uh, I'm just going to talk to you, okay? Here, here's, let's say you're single. Let's say you're a man. Let's say you're a Christian. This message is for you. Everybody else, you can doodle on your handout. Uh, you can just relax. You're not in my bullseye today. Um, But maybe, you know what, you could be already married. Uh, Maybe you're here and you think, Dan, I've been married 20 years, you know, and I kind of get get that part. Well, this message is for you. Maybe you're a woman today. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you don't know Jesus. This message is for you. Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're the father of three rambunctious kids. Um, maybe you're the father of three kids and you've got another one in your house a lot that you didn't count on. You maybe who dialed 911 this morning right before church. Maybe, <laughs> um, maybe you've got a lot of stuff like that going on. I think this message is uh, for you. Whatever life stage you're in, God, you know, because I just, I sat last night at my desk and looked at this and I thought, Lord, it's going to be kind of controversial. It's going to be really aimed at people. And, and I, I don't want to be mysterious or like I'm, really super spiritual, but I feel like God spoke to my heart and said, I've got something for everybody. Hey, Dan, you just, you just share this word, and you let me worry about what happens and what people say at lunch right after that. I'm going to take care of everything. Um, so how can a message about getting married be for all of us? Well, last week, I talked about singleness and how we value that and we respect the people that God has given us here at Calvary who are single and just the, the impact, the amazing things they do in our fellowship. And uh, stay with that. I still, I still honor that. Uh, but here's the thing. Marriage uh, is what I want to talk about today. And marriage done God's way in God's time will help you like nothing else. Get the most out of life and the most out of yourself. So I'm encouraging some of you who've been really slow to pull the trigger or you're just thinking, I don't think that's for me. It's almost going to sound contradictory to what I said last week and some of the things I'm going to mention next week. I'm telling you, you need to get married. You think, did he just say that? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 5.25. It's a great verse and it's probably familiar uh, to a, a lot of people who've read the Bible uh, often. Here's what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Love your wives just like Jesus loved the church. And I try to think about everybody when I'm talking, and I try to think, what if I'm sitting there and I'm this guy, and what if I'm that gal, and I'm thinking this is not relevant to me. But today, I'm going to change a little bit what I normally do, and I'm just going to be more relevant to a few than, than to others. Um, I'm going to talk to everybody, but especially, and I hope you listen, you know, if, if, if God has you here, but I think God has something to say specifically to the single men in the house. You feeling uncomfortable, feeling a little squirmy, okay? Uh, especially, let me be more specific, to single men who are passionate followers of Jesus. If you're a Christian guy here today, I'm looking at you. We're going to speak the truth in love to Christian single men. Now, I've noticed something new or something different. This is just in my lifetime. Uh, it's kind of a cultural shift. And I began to notice it and began to talk about that. And then I began to read about it and found out that I'm not the only one who sees this. Okay? Now, I think I'm a pretty typical guy of my generation. I left home at 19. Uh, at 18, my dad made me start paying room and board, which at the time I thought ridiculous. And even at this point, I think, yeah, you could have, you know, that, yeah, you could have lightened up a little bit on me. But after about a year of paying room and board and living under my dad's roof, I began to think, why am I paying for the privilege of still doing what he wants me to do? I can have a lot more freedom, was not walking with the Lord at the time, uh, and said, I can do what I want to do by moving out. So I left home at 19. It was very common in my generation for this, this shift to take place. Uh, one day, you're like a boy, if that's not offensive to you, but you know, you're like a student, you're just hanging out, and the next day, you step into an adult world. And at 19, I stepped into an adult world, and I had to take on uh, the responsibilities of a man. And that was very common. And some of you guys my age and older, or I will say, oh, I don't know, 40, or, you know, I think it's, it's, it's so recent that even those of you who are 40 go, yeah, big deal, me too, I did that. Now here's what's happening. Instead of stepping from man, I mean, you know, from boy to man into that world, there has been in our society, in our culture, this in-between thing kind of happened. Where... Young men in our society, instead of stepping from boyhood into manhood, they, they get stuck in this in-between place, this limbo, where they're just guys. You're just guys. Oh, you're already getting convicted. You're just, that's what I am. You know who I'm talking to? You. Um, you know, where you're not really pursuing a career, maybe you kind of are, you're starting to head in that direction. You're certainly not ready for a relationship. You know, you still hang out with your friends a lot. You're mostly dependent, at, even in, on your parents, for a lot of the things, you know, that, that you need in life. You're just kind of drifting through. And when you think about some of the bigger issues of life, you think, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, and when my waistline goes from 31 to 36... <laughs> And my hair starts to thin a little bit, and you know, I'm kind of, I think then I'm going to start looking around. I'm going to find a woman, going to get married. Because guys think they have this, you know, I can marry somebody 20 years younger than me, <laughs> five years older than me. And so I've got this broad range of, that wasn't meant to be a pun, broad range. Okay, um... Okay, that's disrespectful, and it's not funny. Please don't laugh at that. Please. Don't laugh at that. Um, and so they wait, and they just put life off. And just kind of to, to go through uh, in this masculine kind of in-between in place. And you think, you know what? I'm going to get through school. I'm going to backpack through Europe. I'm just going to hang out with my friends. I'm just going to kind of do my stuff. And then when, the, when I'm ready, then I'll get hooked up with somebody. I'll live in a nice house. I'll have 2.5 kids. I'm just, but as long as I can do this as long as possible, I'm just not going to get married. That is so fascinating to me. My parents were 15 and 19 when they got married. <laughs> I decided that's crazy. So I waited until 23. <laughs> you know, I, thought, I felt like I was an old single guy uh, in contrast to them. This is so fascinating to me because, check it out, that's just the opposite of what Scripture tells us. Now, I've got a feeling this message is going to be controversial. I'll probably get some feedback, and you'll have something really interesting to talk about at lunch today. But here's the idea. Here's the, the motivating sentence, all right? If you are a Christ follower, 
and you're a single man, and you have a desire uh, for the opposite sex, you need to get married. The Bible says it from cover to cover. Just get married. I thought I'd get quiet. If you're single and you're a Christian and you have a desire uh, to get married and you don't and you purposefully don't, it's going to sound tough. It's quite possible you're living outside of the will of God. Whoa, Dan, you did not say that. That is such a bold statement. Yeah, you know, I said it, uh, and it's bold talk, but I'm going to back it up because God is pro-marriage. It's one of the most beautiful things that he invented. Marriage is the only human relationship that mirrors God's relationship with his people. Think about that. It's actually the metaphor, you know, that the Bible uses to describe our relationship with Jesus. How can we get people to see this? How can we get people to understand the dynamics and, and what it is, that, that the kind of relationship and how God wants to know man? And God said, oh, I've got it. Marriage. Perfect picture of what this relationship's going to be about. We are the bride of Christ. In fact, for marriage to be off the chain, I think it even follows that, that process that Scripture tells us. To get the most, for marriage to be the beautiful thing that you've ever done, the most beautiful thing, there has to be a death, a burial, and a resurrection. Guys, you've got to die to a lot of that stuff. You've got to die to yourself and bury everything. And some of you, the reason you're having so much trouble with your marriage is because you won't let it, you won't bury it. You know what I'm saying? You won't let it go. You bury it, and you wait about a day and a half, and you go dig it back up. <laughs> Amen. Okay, guys, I, I just threw you a softball there. All right. Um, there has to be a burial, and there, there's got to be this death, a burial, and then a resurrection. You bury that stuff, you let it die, you let it go, and God raises up this new life called marriage. And it's a brand new life, and you live differently, you think differently, and for your marriage to really be off the chain, that's what's got to happen. The reason we have covenant, the reason we have this awesome institution called marriage is due to the gospel. Do you see the picture? Do you see how, just, how beautiful that is? Guys, do you want to build a legacy? See, the older I get, the more important that becomes to me. I mean, do you really want to make a lasting impression on your generation and on people to come? See, I realize that my children and their children will live in a future that I will never see but I can send my influence ahead of me through my life, through my legacy. The material, the fabric of legacy is Christian marriage. You read it all throughout the Old Testament, you read it all throughout the New Testament, and if you show me a biblically functioning marriage, you show me marriages where the gospel is at the very center, where Jesus is the king, and I will show you a legacy you will not believe. I don't want you to miss that. I just, I don't want you to miss that. Now, a lot of us, and I'm talking to single guys here, a lot of us, we get kind of commitment phobic, right? All the girls say, amen. You know, guys, we're just naturally kind of scared of commitment sometimes. I don't want to commit. And we live in a generation that kind of affirms that. You go to a church for a while and you don't like it and you get tired of the pastor or you, get, you don't like the music or that they put these red things up. Well, then I'll go to another church that's kind of got a different flavor and they're kind of like that one. Or, you know, and we do that with our jobs. We do it with schools. We do it with people. It's almost like everybody in society has become these interchangeable parts that we just kind of pull. This is broken. I just pull it out and put another one in. That's not what marriage is about. And that's why it does something strong and deep in an unbelievable way that no other institution or relationship has. But guys, we get scared of that. Because almost everywhere else in your life, when, when it gets tough, when it gets tense, you can bail, right? And you did that all through middle school. You did it through high school. Some of you did it in college. Some even after college. Relationship gets tough. You sit down and have that talk, you know, Right? It's not you, it's me. Girls, when he says that, he's right. It's him. You just need to agree with him and say, I've been thinking that for months. <laughs> of course it's you. 
Don't let him, don't let him crush your self-esteem. Uh, you know, I, guys just say, I don't, I don't want to commit. Now, I had a guy say this just, just recently. He, he doesn't go here. He goes, you know, Dan, I, it would talk, I said, what kind of series you're doing? And I kind of mentioned this message. He said, you know what? I will commit. He got all defensive. He felt like I'm just like right there. And then he says, I, I would commit. I'm like, well, we're not talking about you. He said, I'd commit. And I will when I'm 100% certain. Really? Ladies heard that? When I'm 100% sure. Hey, guys, this, let, me, let me give you, you know, a heads up about that. I wasn't 100% certain about Jesus <laughs> when I asked him to come into my life. When I said, I'm going to forsake everything else, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. There was still this little doubt in my mind of, what if he's not who he said he was? What if the Bible's not true? What if, and I thought, well, you know, well, if it's not, it's not, then... I'll die one day, and they'll go, ah, oh, it wasn't true. And I'll go, oh, well, you know, how about that? But what if I die and it was? Oh. So I just leapt into, just, just leap into Jesus. You're waiting until you're 100% sure. Um, some guys, here's what they do. They'll date and date and date girls. But then when she shows the least flaw, the least little quirk, and the guy says, well, that doesn't match my idea of a perfect woman. Uh, that uh, just uh, you know, I've got a friend who has a theory about that idea. We were having lunch one day, and it was with mixed age groups. We were with college students and adults, and he throws out. He actually we're in Car- uh, not Carabas uh, Macaroni Grill, where you can draw on the tablecloths, and he goes so far as to illustrate on the tablecloth his theory that I call the eighty percent principle. He's retired military. His name's Scott Egan, and I've asked him to come up and to share with you. This phenomenal breakthrough in relationships, and then the book, I've picked up the orange mic, um, and then, then when the book comes out, you can, you know, he'll sign it for you. Scott, tell us your idea about relationships. Before I do that, this is an example of sometimes you've got to put aside your own individual wants and desires and do something for the good of the group as a whole. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> This infamous 80% theory that I supposedly came up with is this, and I stick with it. Praise God, Lynn is keeping kids, so she's not in here. (laughs) The 80% theory is this. If you, as a man, spend your whole life looking for the 100% woman, you're never going to find her because she doesn't exist. Nobody's perfect. So I thought, I'll strive for an 80%er. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I've been quite successful in that. So... That's it. (laughs) Thank you. Tell you something you didn't know. I performed Lynn and Scott's wedding 30 years ago. And uh, after all those years, we're sitting at the table that that day in the restaurant, and it just kind of dawns on Lynn, and she looks over at Scott, and she said, so I'm 80%? (laughs) All your hopes and dreams? And he said, yeah. (laughs) And he's thinking, it's a good thing. He's making points with her. Uh, Several days later, you know, uh, 100%. But guys, there's something to that. And we can laugh about that and somebody be offended to think, I'm 80%? Uh, Seriously? But hey, if you're 100% sure... Uh, you know, date her long enough to where you have some healthy skepticism, then here's what I want you to do. Just curl your toes around the end of the diving board and jump in. Just get married. 100% sure? Man, really. I, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about settling for less than God's best, okay? Uh, and some guys are so picky, though, 
they're never going to get married. Stay in the men's room. Don't hang out in the men's room like ladies do in the ladies' room. Um, but we're standing there, wash our hands, and there's a guy, and go, hey, what's up? And he goes, hey, you know. And he, he said, I said, you and so-and-so, you know, are you still hanging out? And he goes, oh, no, it didn't work out. He said this, I just wasn't, you know, I looked at her and just wasn't sure she was pretty enough. Yeah. So here's what I did. I'm looking over at this guy going, whoa, dude, I... <laughs> I think I'd have, I'd have stayed with her if I were you, you know. Uh, just, just real gently. Because what, what he said was, and I thought this was so hilarious, I said, so really, you're going to end the relationship? He said, yeah, what if somebody better looking comes along? Now, I'm serious. I've heard that probably a thousand times. What if somebody comes along who looks like Angelina Jolie and has the heart and morals of Mother Teresa? And here I am dating this other girl. Now what do I do? And I'm looking at this guy. <laughs> hey, my brothers. <laughs> Listen, check this out, okay? And I hate to rain on your testosterone parade here, but um, Charlie helped me out with this because I couldn't think of a better way to do it. Okay, let's say she comes along. I want you to look in there real good, okay? The face and body of Angelina Jolie comes along with the heart and the spirit of Mother Teresa. Look at that. She's not going out with you. <laughs> what are you thinking? Look! Uh, you know, you just... And even if she did, do you know the weird thing about life? Is that eventually somebody even better looking than her would come along. A lot of single guys between, I'm going to say, 30 and 50 will isolate themselves. And fellas, this is a dangerous thing. It's just a natural thing we do. We isolate ourselves. Guys, get, we, we get all messed up because we spend so much time by ourselves or just with our casual friends all the time, and we just kind of hang out and just do casual guy things, no accountability, no responsibility, uh, just, just real relaxed. We need somebody to help us, you know, <laughs> because guys, uh, come on, we're not that smart. We're, we're just not, and I hope you realize this by now, or that you will. Women are smarter. I mean, there's so many ways, and I hope you understand that because women are smarter than we are, we need their influence. We need their perspective to be balanced. Because if not, you're just going to get weirder. <laughs> okay? I know. Trust me, because I'm a weird guy. Sometimes people in my family, people on the staff, I mean, they just look at me like, guy's weird sometimes. You know, just kind of quirky. Now, here's the, the thing that's so crazy about that is that women in the same age group of 30 to 50, they don't isolate themselves. Women have this relational desire, and they build relationships. They're a part of community. They're the ones who buy the cats and the dogs, and they take care of them. They do baby talk to them, and, and you know, they hang out together, and they hug, and you know, all of that because they understand how important community and how important relationship is. So the 30 to 50 guys, you know, we're kind of strange sometimes, but most of the women in that age category, they're not weird. They're, they're, they're kind of normal, so that's really interesting. Women are relational creatures. And guys, that's how marriage solves a lot of our junk. And maybe you're thinking, are you just making all this up? <laughs> Where do you, what are you, are you just using your series as a chance to just get, yeah, I kind of am. This is sort of like therapy for me. Thank you for showing up. Uh, I didn't just get this from outer space. Let me tell you, I drew this, that, that from Scripture. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 7, 9. And I like to get one passage and stay with it, but today we're going to kind of hop around some. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. Some of you ladies are here, and your fiancé or your, your boyfriend, is he lives in Illinois, or he's away for, for fall break. You need to send this scripture to him. You need to just text, tweet this to him right now. Hey, cool verse, check it out. And then highlight, put in bold, they should marry. 
For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Every time, you know, in the Bible that you have lust, and you have somebody talking about burning with passion, you know what the answer is? Marriage. It's marriage. Now, that's not the only reason to consider getting married, okay? And I hope you don't think I've just got a real simplistic view. Well, I'm kind of feeling, I need to get married. I you know, and you're off to Las Vegas or something. I'm not talking about that. Of course not. Uh, but I do think, and I'm probably going to get calls about this, we've made marriage so complex. I mean, I was so nervous by the time it was time to get married because there's like a bazillion tapes, books, DVDs, seminars, conferences, and you need to go to all of those before you feel like, I'm even qualified. I don't know enough about it to get, to get married. You know what? If Kathy and I had faced all of that and it felt like, you know, we've got to do that, we would probably still be working on it. Because my tendency, my personality is I want to know about stuff. You know, if I'm going to go buy a car, by the time I really do it, by the time I write that check, I'm going to know everything in the world about that car and the cars like it. And I'm just kind of wired that way. You know what? There comes a place where you're going to have to let go of that. I know there's all these websites and books and everything. You've got to know this and you've got to know that. And I respect that and I understand it. Uh, And there are valid issues like compatibility uh, I've walked 130 people through a compatibility uh, profile that I do. I've done 90 weddings. Uh, I think it's important. I take it seriously. But come on, guys, it's not that hard. One man, one woman following Jesus in covenant. That's marriage. We like things hard, and we like to make it, you know, kind of confusing, because then if I fail, there's an excuse. I just didn't get enough info. I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, and we, we kind of shift the blame somewhere else so that we don't have to take responsibility. Marriage wasn't designed to be this enormous, complex puzzle. It solves a lot of the stuff in our lives. And, and uh, you know, I, I, maybe some of you guys are feeling con- conviction right now. He said, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Everything's cool. Just take a breath. Everything's good. The exits are there and, and there. <laughs> now, here's what marriage solves. Marriage solves a lot of the sexual tension, a lot of the sexual temptation in our lives. Guys, we're sexual creatures. Women are sexual creatures. And you're going to have these desires. And you're going to have this desire for the opposite sex. You know what? That's a good thing. It's a God thing. You know, Billy Graham said, hey, God's the one invented it. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but when we're to practice sex within the confines, the covenant, uh, within the, swim within this reef of marriage, uh, so to speak. See, sex is kind of like, I got an opportunity once to sit in a Ferrari and uh, I got to fire it up, and the guy, I said, can I put it into gear? And the guy said, yeah. I said, can I let the clutch out? And he said, a little. And I just moved it forward a little bit, and he said, okay, get out of the car. <laughs> and that was all. I said, man, I want to drive this car. Man, I want to drive this car. This week I saw a hovercraft, you know, if I don't say it right because I don't speak good, but uh, hover, hovercraft, uh, one of those words. Uh, and they fired it up, and I'm just standing there watching this guy, and I said, hey, man, can I, can I drive that? <laughs> he just looked at me and said, no, <laughs> like, no, but if I had a Ferrari, I would baby that thing. I mean, would you trash it? Would you take it four-wheeling? Would you take it, you know, here in East Tennessee? You might, <laughs> you know, you might think, oh, you know, and, and I don't know. There's some of you guys going, what? I don't, you know, what's wrong? No, you, you don't do that. You take care of it, and you baby it, you drive it somewhere special. You know, if you ever get a chance to get it out on the expressway and really go when the cops aren't looking for it, you know, you, could, you would do that because you know that's what a Ferrari was made for. It wasn't made to take up into the hills, you know. It wasn't take to go get mud all over or anything like that. This gift that we have of sex, it's a Ferrari, okay? And we abuse it. And we didn't think that's the problem. No, it's because you don't know how to drive. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought that was a great... I worked on that all night. Listen, go to Genesis 2, 24. The Bible says, For this reason, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and some of you guys need to leave mom and dad. I'm just going to leave that. let that stand right there. You just need to leave mom and dad and be united to his wife, 
and they will become one flesh. Here's the math of marriage. One plus one equals one. Oneness in marriage, intimacy in marriage, two becoming one. Two fallen, quirky, fallible, goofy people coming together under the banner of the Lord Jesus, under his lordship, two sinners. The Bible says, for this reason, a man you know, will leave his father and mother and they will become one flesh. The hard part, and you work that out, is becoming the one flesh. Becoming, they become one flesh. That's tough. I'll talk about that in a later message, okay? We've still got several messages in this series, so I can't hit everything today. But look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 5. Do not deprive each other by mutual consent, and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Did you know that verse was in the Bible? God is saying, you know what? You need to get together. And yeah, he's talking just about what you're thinking, what he's, th- he's talking about. <laughs> he says, with mutual consent, you need to be apart for a while, whatever reasons. He said, but don't stay that way. He said, some of you couples, you hadn't been together in a long time. You're opening up a door for the enemy. He's going to hinder your prayers. He's going to tempt you. He's going to do all kinds of things. You need to be together because of the lack of self-control. Marriage solves a lot of things. Um, when you get married, your sex life with, with your spouse will cause, you, will cause you to seek God in a deeper way, a more profound and more pro- uh, passionate way. That's what the Bible says. Now, in marriage, we fulfill one another, and it frees us up to hear God. You, you, want, you want another one? You want, you'll give me another verse. 1 Corinthians, well, I said 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Um, let me share this other, this other scripture with you. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty two says this, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Some of you ladies, you need to do that in calligraphy and just put it up in the kitchen. So every day he comes home and you say, let's go over our verse again. <laughs> Love this verse. Welcome home, honey. Now last week, you know, I mentioned, because I think there's two things that, that guys will do if they, if they you know, their, their lack of self-control and they have these desires, they don't want to get married, they don't want to commit. So here's one of the two behaviors they fall into. I'm just talking straight up with you. Today, it's, it's either porn, they get into porn, or promiscuity, or both. They're both extremely dangerous. They're both more than inappropriate. Now, last week, I mentioned an article that I read, and I just dropped it in my instant paper and went to Haiti recently. I read this on the plane, and I just thought, whoa, what an article. This is really powerful. Um, and, and I mentioned it to some guys, and guys have been writing me all week, and I thought, I'm getting so many requests for this. I'm just going to throw it up here. Uh, for you, this is uh, an article called Slave Master, How Pornography Drugs and Changes Your Brain. I don't know a lot about the author, but I want every man, and I think every woman in this room ought to read this. There's something chemical that happens uh, in your head, and you think, oh, this is harmless, and it's a secret thing, uh, and it's so accessible now. You don't have to go down to the 7-Eleven and try to be cool and, you know, and, and feel self-conscious while the guy looks at you like you're a pervert, you know, and you, you, you don't have to do that anymore. You just get on your computer, and you think you're being real quiet. Something terrible is happening, and you need, to, you need to check this out, okay? Now, what is, what is the answer? Because I know a lot of women, um, guys, it's such an addictive, such an empty trap, and when you sleep with another woman who's not your wife, you do something bigger than just a physical act. And lots of you in this room, a lot of the women in this room have been hurt that way. Many of the women I know have been hurt by men who, who you know, just didn't have those boundaries. What's the answer? Well, the answer is, you know, finding a good wife. Now, if you're a married man, you're going to be tempted, and you're going to be tempted uh, with members of the opposite sex. You need to listen. Uh, Keep the guidelines and the guardrails around your marriage. Keep the guardrails. And you think, what are those? Well, they're going to be specific for each one. But say, I did get a Ferrari. Let's say somebody said, hey, Dan, we're going to give you this beautiful red Ferrari. You can just drive it as fast as you want. And so I head up on these windy curves. Let's say I do the dragon tail, and I'm driving that thing. 
Do I drive that along and I look and I think, wow, there's the edge of the cliff and I just could just drop right off into the Smoky Mountains. I think I'm going to see, I'm just going to get as close to the edge with my Ferrari as I possibly can without going off. Nobody drives like that, right? You know what we do? No, we stay close to the mountain. You think, no, I'm going to drive over here. I'm not going to get this, you know, quarter of a million dollar car and myself close to the edge and drive through that fence. Guys, live your lives in the same way that you drive a Ferrari. Stay close to the Lord. Don't think, well, what is permissible? Well, what, and those of you couples you're dating, you think, how far is too far? Where's the line? Here's what you'll do. If you have that attitude in your date life, you're going to draw the line, and then you're going to erase the line, and you're going to draw another line. Then you're going to draw another one, and you're just going to keep doing that. And then one day you're going to wake up and say, how do we get this far? How did we get here in our relationship? Our relationship is just so physical, and that's what it's become about. And it's robbed us of our intimacy. It has stolen something from us that was precious. Because you got too close to the guardrail, to the boundaries. Stay back. Stay back. Uh, You drive a Ferrari out on the expressway. You swim inside the reef. I'm a diver. I know, you know, we get out on the other side of that reef. That's where the sharks are. Brothers, you don't want to swim with sharks. <laughs> now, there's something else that marriage solves, and that's laziness. Guys, we're lazy. Ladies, you know it. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Uh, and what happens when you get married, uh, you know, you, you're not just, oh, the final four, is it on? Yeah. Oh, my fantasy team, I need to go work that. You just kind of do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Uh, you know what? We don't want to romance, and we don't want to work that. We don't want to try... Uh, marriage doesn't have room for that. You get married and lazy days are over. <laughs> All right? It's really hard to be slothful in a relationship. Are you kidding? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, you get married and watch how much sharper a wife will make you. <laughs> she will. So Christian single guy, um, you like women and you, you're, just, you're struggling with laziness, get married. And that I'll do it tomorrow kind of mentality, whoop, that's going to go right out the door. Because when you get married, you're going to discover creativity, you're going to discover innovation and motivation. God's going to do a beautiful thing. The most creative relational aspect in life should happen within the marriage covenant, within those bounds. I love this. God said, and the Bible said in Genesis 1-1, that God created the heavens and the earth. And then you fast forward all the way to the end of the Bible, to Revelation 21-5, And God said, I'm making everything new. Isn't that just like God? In his covenant with us, he starts off creating, and at the end, God's still creating. He's still making stuff. He's so creative. God doesn't want you to get married and then say, okay, all my creative, all my best, all my... No, he's launched you into this relationship that should be so creative, especially in your romance. Especially in your romance. You've seen that creepy commercial about insurance? where there's an older couple, and they go up, and, and they say, oh, does it just get, yeah, it just gets better with time. And she says, please tell me we're talking about insurance. I love that commercial. I think, yeah, I hope they're not talking about insurance, you know, because that's the way God designed your marriage and your life to, to really be. Um, our culture uh, is built on marriage. Now, there's something else marriage does. Let me just wrap this up, and that's, that's this. It, it's a great cure for selfishness. You can't be selfish and have a good marriage. It is just impossible. Hey, Jesus, what is all this stuff about? And Jesus said, love God. Love, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body. And then he added this in, love your neighbor as yourself. That's spiritual maturity. Now we go, I was at a conference this week in Atlanta, and I heard so many good messages. I'm still trying to absorb and process all that. You know, I just heard so much good teaching. And by the end of every session, I'm like, I don't love Jesus. <laughs> that guy, oh my goodness, I'm just embarrassed. I just think, oh Lord, what am I doing? I'm so immature. But you know what? It's not that difficult. It's not that, that complex. And some of you guys are thinking, I need to go to seminary, then I'll get married. Or I need to... You know, I need another Bible study. You've been to Bible studies. Oh, my goodness. You know so much. You know, I need to pray longer. Well, you will if you get married. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, I love you, sweetheart. You look so hot today, okay? Um, 
Let's move along to this next thing. But you know what? You can't put, another, you can't put your needs above somebody else. You're going to be tested every day, 24-7. Selfishness. You know, when I look back on the rearview mirror of my life, I would not be, and I'm not just saying this because I had a little joke, but um, I wouldn't be half the Christian I am today. I mean this with all sincerity, uh, without Kathy, without my marriage. If you want to live at a whole nother level, level brother, uh, just get married. I'm so sick and tired of a culture that says, just move in together, try it out. Every study in the world shows that is disastrous and just does the opposite. It does not work. Uh, you don't play house. I had a couple to come to me. They wanted me to do their wedding. And I said, okay, let me get your addresses. They gave me the same address. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you guys, they said, oh, yeah, we're living together. We've been living together six months because we wanted to make sure before we came to you. And I said, well, first thing I'm going to ask you to do, you've got to move out. Oh, no. I said, yeah, you've got to change addresses. They wouldn't do it. And I said, I can't do your wedding. So I can't do your wedding. Uh, and they thought, I was so narrow-minded. You know what? That is totally abusing the beauty and the love and the covenant and the legacy that God wants us to build. Guys, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Marriage helps us with selfishness. It, 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 it gives us a, an, an amazing legacy. It increases our spiritual maturity. Do you remember the verse that we started off with? Let's land with that one too. Ephesians 5.25. Let me read it again. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Because it's all about the next generation. It's about what God wants to do, yeah, in today's world, but in our future, in your future. Now, I, gotta th- I just promised myself I'm going to throw this one other thing in. I believe it's from the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, just, just give me this, because this is something, and I'm just going to be vulgar. It, it makes me sick. This makes me want to throw up. I've heard this so many times. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, a guy will come up to me in the middle of a divorce and say, well, you know, Dan, I'm really kind of glad this is happening because I never really loved her. What? Yeah, I thought I did, or it was this, it was that. I never really loved her. I'm just going to punch you in the throat if you say that to me. <laughs> Unless you're big and I'm just going to ram your car or something. I've heard women say that too. I've heard women say that. But when someone says that to me, you know what they're saying? Let me tell you what a man or a woman is really saying when they say that. When they tell their friends or their counselors that. And it's such a projection onto that other person. That's so dishonoring. That's so disrespectful. I never loved you. You never even loved me. You just... were confused or pretended for the last seven years? You're saying, I failed to live out the gospel. I failed as a Christian. I failed, you know, to be a follower of Jesus. I really, at my core, just want what I want, and I want out of this thing the easiest way possible because I've already got my eye on somebody else. I'm already moving forward, and I'm, I'm feeling hindered, and so this is, and I'm going to cover it up and make it sound spiritual or at least noble by saying, I never really loved them. And for love, our society, our movies, our songs, TV shows, everything tells us that love is the big thing, you know, that, oh, he did it for love. I don't care (laughs) what you did it for. You know, did Jesus turn his back on you? When did Jesus walk out the door on you? When did Jesus just mail it in and say, well, I never did really love you? I'm telling you, guys, we got to wake up. It's time for us to... To, to take the turf that the enemy has stolen from us and be the men that God wants you to be, not to be soft, not to be weak. Remember, Jesus was not, in contradiction to all those pictures you saw in Vacation Bible School, <laughs> he's not this pale, frail, blue-eyed, skinny, decaf-drinking white boy. He's just, <laughs> you know, he's not. Jesus was a man's man, and it takes a man. A man who's tough, a man who's tenacious, a man who's a risk taker, a man who loves adventure, to be the kind of husband, to be the kind of Christ follower, the kind of father that this generation needs and that God wants us to be. Are you ready for that? 
Guys, I'm calling you out. Are you ready for that? I can't make you do this. But it's time we quit playing church and we just decide we're going to be the church and we're going to change our society. And in this series, I'm not only going to talk to you about what marriage is, but I want to, I want to give you the 411 on you know, what marriage does. And marriage is a reflection of the gospel of Jesus. So what I'm saying, be real clear, if you have the opportunity, you need to get married. Now, I hope you come back next week because my topic next week is don't just get married. Just don't get married. I'm kind of excited to hear what I'm going to say myself. Um, (laughs) Just don't get married, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the beauty um, of marriage and just what that is. And I just see something happening uh, in our country and uh, maybe in other places too where guys uh, have disrespected their relationships and uh, have dishonored women to a large degree in so many ways. And one of the ways is uh, that we just kind of keep fooling around and we put off marriage and we live outside of that purposefully. I believe that you're calling uh, men uh, to, to not live that lifestyle because I see it on the increase and I see people uh, continuing uh, to kind of live in that philosophy. And today I pray that you'd use your word and your spirit to teach us. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing uh, to seek out marriage. And Father, particularly, you know, today I've talked to young single guys, but this is really for all of us. I pray for couples in this room that they would honor and respect Uh, their marriage, that they would stay in those uh, boundaries and those guidelines that you've set up for them, and you'd give them a beautiful adventure together. Uh, Would you stand with me, please? And let's just pray for our single guys. Let's pray for uh, our couples who are married or those who are thinking about that. Enter into it prudently and with wisdom and with prayer. Uh, By all means, I'm going to encourage you, go forward. Don't just keep rotating relationships. In Jesus' name, Lord, we give you this time to move among us. Amen.